the scripture this morning that we've read, Psalm 91 and Philippians chapter 1 and John chapter 16, verse 33. This is God's word to us today. Let's start with Psalm 91. If you have your Bible, please turn there. Psalm 91. Listen again to verse 1. This is the theme of the whole psalm. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now think about what this means for us today in this moment, in this time of plague and pestilence. This is showing us and telling us that it's God who provides security. So as we deal with the coronavirus, God offers us a shelter, a real shelter. So this terrible violence, it's not just a physical threat. We're facing a spiritual struggle. And we must first wage a battle in our own hearts to trust in God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our imagination. And secondarily, we must see that this is not only a battle in our hearts, we are in a battle for the soul of our city. So first of all, make no mistake, we are in the midst of a test. This is a test of our faith. In our hearts and in our minds and in our imaginations and in our emotions, the test is, will we dwell in the shelter of the Most High? Will we abide in the shadow of the Almighty? Will we say to the Lord, like verse 2 says, you are my refuge and my fortress. You are my God in whom I trust. And that's what we're doing right now. As awkward as this is for us to be worshiping in this kind of way, we are worshiping God. And that is how we put our trust in him. That is how we abide in him. We are praising God and we are praying and we are reading scripture and confessing our sins and giving thanks. And God's people have always experienced God's security by coming into God's presence with worship. And we will keep on doing this. We will keep on worshiping God no matter what the future holds. Worshiping God is the most fundamental way that you dwell in the shelter of the Most High. And then notice in verses 3 through 13, we see that there is no limit to God's faithfulness. When we draw near to God, when we turn our thoughts and our trust to him, God gives us safety in every circumstance, even the worst circumstances. His protection is effective everywhere and all the time. Look at verse 5 and 6, the terror of the night, the error that flies by day, the pestilence that stalks in darkness, the destruction that wastes at noonday. Do you see what we're hearing here? Whether it's night or day or darkness or the brightness of noon, there is no moment in time that you cannot dwell in the shelter of the Most High. And notice, not only is it any moment we can dwell in Him, but it's also in the face of any danger. Verse 3, the danger of a surprise attack. Verse 3 and 6, 
the danger of disease. Verses 5 and 6, the danger of demonic powers. Verses 5 and 7, violence and war. Verse 8, wicked enemies. Verse 13, wild animals. There is no place and no time and no circumstance beyond God's ability to protect us. There's no limit to God's faithfulness. The protective wings and shadow of God reach out to us everywhere, all the time. Now look how the psalm ends in verses 14 through 16. Up until now, it's this person who follows the Lord that is confessing faith in God's faithfulness. But at the end, God responds. In these last three verses, God is speaking directly to the person of faith. And even now, right now, God is speaking directly to you and to me, not generally, but personally. Listen to what God is saying right now to you personally. He is saying, hold fast to me in love. Now that's an image of intimacy. Hold fast in love. I will deliver you. I will protect you because you know my name. When you call to me, I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will rescue you and honor you with long life. I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. When we entrust God with our whole life, when we reach out to him in intimacy and attach ourselves to him, in intimacy, when we are connected to him and we know him, he will deliver us and protect us and answer us and rescue us and honor us and satisfy us and save us. It's interesting, when Satan tempted Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1, he took Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and he challenged him to jump off to test this promise that the angels would bear him up and he quotes this psalm psalm 91 he quotes verses 11 and 12 but jesus very interestingly refused satan's offer because he said it was a misinterpretation of this psalm that this psalm is not some magical guarantee against danger now jesus knew there was a difference between testing god and trusting God. And this psalm is telling us, put your trust in God and he will not fail you. Put your trust in God. And this is how we can leave every earthly fear behind. God will lift you up above the depressing realities of life to the hopeful place of confidence where we can endure. So right now, we're in a time of testing. Not to destroy us, but to establish us. St. Athanasius in the third century wrote in a letter to his people, if you desire to be fearless, the way to do it is to memorize and recite Psalm 91. Are you overcome by fear, by anxiety, by worry, by anger? Then here's the prescription. Read Psalm 91. Recite it, pray it, 
over and over because this is a time of, of testing to establish you in the faith. But this is not only a time of testing. We are also in a moment of responsibility. We have a responsibility as Christians to bring the peace of Christ to our city. Now, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we must seek the peace of Christ to reign in the hearts of our neighbors. That's what Paul shows us in Philippians chapter 1. Our passage, Philippians 1, verses 12 through 30. Here is Paul. He's sitting in prison. He's suffering in prison, but he looks at it differently. Listen to how he looks at it. So, uh, Philippians chapter 1, he says in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul was suffering terribly in prison. But he understands that suffering to be a good thing. Because it's serving to advance the gospel. Because now everybody who's guarding him has heard from him the gospel. The message of King Jesus. We must see the coronavirus as an opportunity to advance the gospel. Christ has already given us his peace, but his peace is not to remove us from disaster and death. No, God's peace is in the midst of disaster and death. Because like Jesus told us in our gospel reading in John chapter 16, verse 33, he has already overcome these things. We are not terrified of the coronavirus because like Paul says, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for us to live is Christ and to die is not a bad thing. It's the opposite of a bad thing. To die is gain. If we die, we get something. We gain something. We're not afraid of death. We're going to be okay either way. If we live, we're going to be okay because we're going to get to advance the gospel. If we die, we're going to be even better, Paul really dwelt in the shadow of the Almighty. He trusted Jesus. He looked at his coronavirus, his prison sentence, he looked at it differently. He basically said, if I die in prison, what an incredible outcome. I'll immediately find myself face to face with the Lord Jesus, and he and I will live forever in the presence of the king. That's what it means, to die is gain. On the other hand, if he's released from prison, he knows that will be the best outcome for the church because he'll continue to model for the church what it means to live in faith and have courage. He'll continue to be a source of encouragement for them to make progress in the faith and to have the joy of the Lord. So you see, we Christians, we are not only going to suffer with our city, we are facing the same dangers and trials and tribulations as everyone else, 
but we look at it differently because we understand it differently. This plague is an opportunity for me and for you to learn how to dwell in Christ and to seek refuge in God, to learn how to trust God more, to grow nearer to the Almighty, to purify our souls, and to proclaim the gospel. Christ is with us as we face this pestilence, and this pestilence cannot harm us. If we die, we will die witnessing to Christ. We will enter into his glory even more. We will more deeply experience his love. We will see him face to face and grow nearer to him. Our Lord Jesus Christ experienced an incomparable suffering of death. Yet God raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand on high, making a way from up for us so that even if we go through death, it will be a gain. If you have not given your life to Christ, then this talk might sound crazy to you. There might be this big disconnect. You don't have this kind of deep, confident comfort against fear, but you can. Right now, you can accept Christ. Why don't you do that? Why not right now? Why not today? Give your life to him and he will deliver you from fear. If you're listening to this and you do not have peace, I encourage you, diligently read Psalm 91, Philippians chapter 1, John chapter 16, verse 33, and call on the Lord to give you insight until the peace of Christ reigns in your heart. We must first battle for our own hearts and then we must battle for the soul of this city. Like Jesus, like Paul, like the early church in the face of devastating plagues that, wrapped out, that wiped out enormous portions of the population of the Roman Empire, like Martin Luther, when the bubonic plague came to his town, like the Christians in Wuhan have been telling us over the last several months, we in this moment can say our prayers and seek the peace of the city with courage because in the face of fear, we can have courage. With faith and courage, we can seek peace for those who are overcome by fear and selfishness. We can seek peace for the medical personnel struggling on the front lines. We can seek peace for every government official at every level. We can seek peace by moving toward danger and not from it. Through caring for our neighbors instead of hoarding. Through our online networks and phone calls and visits, we can guide and comfort our friends and our loved ones with the gospel. We can share with them that our lives are not in our own hands. We can invite them to entrust their lives to Jesus Christ, who is faithful and true. We can teach them to turn their eyes upon Jesus. We can show them what it looks like not to be agitated or fearful, but to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, what does this look like during the coronavirus? 
Well, it can start by sharing a little bit of your stockpile. Christians are not preppers and hoarders. Christians are generous. We can share a little bit of that stockpiled toilet paper. We can press pause on Netflix and get out of our houses if we can with safety, with security, with trust to care for people who are infected or sheltering in place because they're a high risk. We can find a way to run errands, to pay their bills, to mow their grass, to deliver them groceries, whatever they need. Use your phone to talk. Call people who are alone and check on them. Look, if we have to go without food for some time, it might mean smaller rations for those who have prepared in order to share with those who either couldn't or didn't prepare. This is what Christians have always done. The church has lived through plague after plague after plague. Martin Luther said during the bubonic plague, if your neighbor doesn't have anyone to share and care for them, you don't leave the city. If the neighbor has a better sharing, has somebody else sharing and caring for them better than you, then you have the freedom to leave the city. And he said this in the face of a far more devastating thing than we're going through. Christians care in practical ways for their neighbors. Now, if you don't feel that responsibility, if you don't feel responsible for your neighbor, then pray, confess that selfishness, and ask the Lord to give you a more loving soul, a truly generous heart that shares and doesn't hoard. If you do not feel responsible to pray, then ask God to help you confess your selfishness, and ask the Lord to give you a loving soul and an earnestly prayerful heart. If you are not crying, then ask the Lord to give you tears. Because surely we know that it is only through the hope of the Lord's mercy that our city and our country and our world will be saved. Psalm 91 Jesus showed us is not a magical guarantee against danger or threat or difficulty. It's a reminder that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. And this is why neither Jesus nor Paul nor so many others have sought to avoid danger or difficulty at the expense of being faithful. You see, we didn't ask our church to move to online because we're afraid of the danger to ourselves. We did this out of love for our neighbors, not to hide ourselves, but to slow the halt of the coronavirus. But we still must find ways to recognize the at-risk and the lonely and to move toward them in danger to ourselves, but not in danger to them. We're not trying to endanger our neighbors. We're, we're not afraid of danger to ourselves. Being faithful to God and trusting God's faithfulness is why we can see this moment as a test to grow our faith and an opportunity to share our faith. 
with courage instead of fear. Christ is with us. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Let us say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.